Well, good morning, Renovation. And just, yeah, those who are in the room, great to see you guys are here and looking forward to seeing some of you in person real soon. There we go. A couple of things this morning I want to talk to you about before we get into the message. And one I'm excited about, uh, the other I wish we didn't have to do, and I'll, I'll let you know why. First is, again, I'm excited to announce that after a significant amount of prayer, watchfulness, and preparation, we are planning on going from pause to play and resume Sunday morning uh, in-person gathering next Sunday, August 16th at 10.30, okay? That's the exciting part, the part that I wish I didn't have to do, but it's much needed is to take time and communicate how our Sunday gatherings need to work for the foreseeable future, okay? I, one of the things I've, I realized in June, maybe I didn't communicate enough. We tried to by the written word and mention a little bit here by, you know, by our email updates. But I thought I'd take some time this morning to make sure in order for us to be able to get there uh, that that would be, uh, that you may need to hear from you in this way. So I am gonna take that time this morning. And uh, as we've said from the start, and man, did when, we, when it started, we, we believe five months ago that we would be still talking about this, but here we are, right? And, uh, but our intention has been from the get-go to be watchful, prayerful, and thankful. After our June 14th in-person gathering, as many of you know, we pushed pause uh, because there had been a significant uh, increase in positive COVID-19 cases in our community. Some most likely disagreed. Some thanked us, especially some of our healthcare workers, thanked us for pushing pause. We were and we are trying to be part of the solution in the community by trying to love our neighbor and we have felt like this was the best way to do that right now. Besides other things, as you well know, that we talked about last week in the blessing strategy, but that was one way. Since June, we've been monitoring and maybe you have too, but we sure have been and, and where we are as a community, but looking at new guidelines that maybe have come out, best practices, maybe new things, again, that's been put in our community, and we know some of those are in place. But I wanted to use the visual that I have said to the staff since really day one, uh, when we were talking about reopening, and, and I'm a very visual person, so maybe this might help you. I don't know if we have the slide of the three gas gauges. I know they look a little different, but the three gas gauges, and, and I feel like that, that, that on the conversation around COVID-19 specifically, we have people who are on E, who feel like they don't really have any concerns whatsoever, and they're just rolling. We have people on full who have significant concerns and may not come back at any point till there's a vaccine and maybe plus. I don't know, and I'm not trying to make light of that. I don't know, but they're, they're full. What we've attempted to do as we reopen in June and again this time is go between around three quarters of a time, but maybe between a half and three quarters of people who have concerns, we're gonna land there. So that's what we're trying to do right now. So I wanted to give you a visual, but for those who are most concerned, the rest of us can adjust, right? But for those who are most concerned that we want to feel, as many who want to come to feel comfortable, that is our target, just so you know that. So that's what we're trying to do. 
And as we said in June, we believe that this will require partnership with you guys. You know, here at Renovation, we've never really used the term membership. We've always used the term teammate. That means we're working in this together. Members sometimes, and I'm not knocking it, sometimes indicate privileges or benefits that you get. And maybe that's the case. But here we're talking about being a teammate. We're working this out together. And so that's where we need your help on. And if you come, those who did come in June know that we've redesigned the worship, uh, uh, the sanctuary here in the worship setting, and we congregate outside. We, as you come in here, there's more distancing, and we've got touchless experience is one of the things that we've tried to do. So you really don't have to pick up anything if you don't want to or touch anything. So we worked hard on that. But because of that, we have limited capacity. Okay, so what we're going to need you to do, again, as we did then, is to reserve seating, and we'll get, and I'll let you know more about that in just a minute, but reserve seating like we did then in June, and reserve as a family unit, and by the way, there's no Reno kids at this point, that's probably sometime, hopefully in September we can go back to that, but we'll see on that, we'll keep that monitored also, or as a friend unit, and what I mean by it is, if you're already hanging out together, and you're already you know, clustering together, and what I mean by that, congregating together without mask or with mask or however you do that, we don't mind you doing that either, but we just wanna be clear, we're not gonna force anybody with somebody else. I hope that makes sense. So we need to reserve seats. We really believe that worked really well in, in June, and we're gonna do that again. And we will be getting a regathering update communication out to you by midweek this week. But much of it's the same, but there's a couple of things I just want to make sure I, I, I make very specific note of this morning. And we'll make it on the, on the update also. One is this. We ask all who attend to wear a mask or face covering while worshiping with us. Different than June. In June, we encouraged it. In June, we recommended it, okay? Those are the kind of things we did. But this time, we're just asking that you do it. And if you don't feel comfortable to do it, then continue to join us on live streaming online until we can get to the season where that may not be necessary. But right now, we are asking to do that. Second thing is social, physical distancing. Uh, yes, we're trying to follow the CDC guidelines by that. Even our local, obviously, talks about that. But we are asking for this season not to be hugging, not to be doing handshakes, those kind of things. And I want to say this. I know it's hard. I am one of those people. You know, and I never was. A, I was always been a handshaker because I was raised in the car business. But I never was really a hugger till I became a Christian. And something happened. But right now, I'm holding off on that. I don't even hug Jan at home. No, I'm just kidding about that. But my point is, for this season, for us to get to do what we hope to get to do here, we're asking that that not happen on campus here, if, unless it's with your family, okay? <laughs> that's, that's what we're asking. And again, we're trying to gauge this for, towards people who are at three quarters of a tank and try to make them feel as comfortable. And the last thing I want to do is somebody to come here and me go to hug them, and they, are, they don't know what to do, and it makes them feel uncomfortable they don't come back next week. I want to respect that. I want to love my neighbor, and that's, that's the room I'm going to give them right now. Okay, here's some things we're going to assume. In order to regather in person, there are a few things that, 
again, as we look at this, we assume this, but I wanna I touch on them, but sometimes maybe it needs to be said. One is, we have to assume those who are knowingly sick will stay home. Seems simple, but we have to, in order to move forward, we have to work with that assumption. And along with that, those, those possibly who are in a, a higher risk group for a while, even this first season, they will stay home and continue to watch in our live stream, and we will continue to do that, friends. We want you, well, who knows, we may do this from now on, but we're sure gonna do it because we want you to be a part of this. So that's gonna continue, so don't worry about that. Second thing is, we assume that those who come want us to continue to meet together. So, they want us to meet together so much they will be a part of helping us make this happen. Okay, I know I hesitated there, but I just want to say, you know, engage the practices and protocols we're putting in place, please, because we want to continue to do this, and we're going to try, so we need your help, friends. And number three, and again, this may state the obvious, but in this season of COVID-19, we assume that everybody that's out and about agrees that simply being in the public right now carries some potential health risk if we're paying attention and if we believe what our authorities say. So we assume that some who will attend our worship services will unknowingly be COVID-19 pre-symptomatic or asymptomatic. Our hope is, even in those instances where someone may even test positive the following week, the health and safety precautions we have in place, we'll have in place next week will allow us to be reasonably safe in the environment we're in today. That's why the precautions are there. And again, we encourage everyone to help us with them. So, so how can you help? Read the midweek gathering that we're going to send out this week, a regathering update that's coming out this week. And just to read through it again, even if you've read it before and you've heard a few things, we ask that you read that. The air conditioner is working well in here this morning. Reserve seats as a family or like I've already talked about. And again, no Reno kids, so your children will need to be there also. We ask all who attend to wear a mask or face covering while worshiping with us. If you have your own, please bring it. However, we will have masks available if needed. Social physical distancing. Follow the CDC social distancing guidelines. For this season, we ask all who worship with us not to hug, handshake, etc. Wash, sanitize your hands, don't touch your face. The CDC guidelines we've all heard and memorized and can quote from, but, but let's do that. Stay home if feeling sick. And last, but I'm not saying least, but, I, but it is in the sense that if you are coming, and if you're not even, the first part of this, pray for us. Pray for us. We're trying to figure this out as we go. We want to continue to do this. But if you do come, come with great expectation and excitement. Come here. Come prepared. Come ready to, to, to worship and engage. And we can do this, guys. But I'll tell you this, Reno family, we're counting on your partnership and your cooperation for us to do this well. We can do this. And, 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 and I tell you, I, June 14th, those who came, you realize how much you've been missing. And I hate it for those who right now who may be in a high-risk group or not ready to come back. 
we, you are in our prayers, and we're going to do everything we can to make you feel as at home. And it may even make you feel more engaged if there's people in the room, even though you may be at home. But we're going to try. We ask for God's blessing on it. Let me pray for us as we move into the message. Lord, we come today thankful as we have been prayerful and watchful. And Lord, we know in our community today, a lot of things are going on, but one of them is specifically around this season we've been in for months now, COVID-19, best way to describe it. But Lord, we know this, the church was never closed. Lord, you have called us and our vision has been, and we believe it's, we've still been doing to be salt and light, to be servants where we're engaged and influential. And Lord, we have been trying to lean into that. And Lord, now we need your wisdom, and we've been seeking that to be able to come back together again. And Lord, we just pray that you'll help us be wise in that and never hesitate to say, wait a second, we need to pause again. If we need to, we will. But Lord, when you push play, and we're trying to figure that out too, Lord, we want to do that also, because we believe this is important to the advancement of the kingdom. But Lord, sometimes the best we can do is your Uh, As your early leader said, it seems right to us and the Holy Spirit. And sometimes that's the best we can do. The Lord is good enough. We love you. Be with our people as they make decisions on what they need to do. But Lord, either way, we support them and love them. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I think I'll preach a little bit. How about that? Ready? Last many weeks, we've been on a series called The Greatest, and I thought it ended last week, and I was kind of transitioning to another one, a small series. And I've just reminded this week at the Global Leadership Summits of some things, and as I was praying about this, I already, I told Jan this morning, I woke up this morning at five something, and this, these three words were in my mind and I couldn't get them out of it. So I came here this morning and trying to put together a sermon that was not worked on yesterday and we will see, but it was these three words, above all else. That, that was the first thing on my mind this morning when I woke up, didn't sleep well uh, for whatever reason. Actually, I slept well. I slept with my recliner at about eight something last night. I fell asleep. Woke up at 12.30, couldn't go back to sleep, tried to work on this message for two hours. And the reason I'm telling you this is I went to bed, back to sleep, not really sure about the message. It didn't, sometimes you work on it and it just somehow or another doesn't feel like it fits. I don't know exactly how to explain it. Those who preach or those who know, know a little bit about what that feels like. But when I woke up this morning, the first three words were above all else. Can't explain it. We'll see if there's a sermon in it, okay? (laughs) But I think it still is with the greatest. And the reason why I say that is because I want to read this for you. Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Teacher, which is the greatest commandments in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is this, is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Above all else, 
See, Jesus, I don't think, and I, I didn't, I, you know, as this was recorded, he didn't have to put that tagline on it, right? Jesus didn't have to say it. He didn't say, you know, all the, what I just said to you fulfills the law and prophets. In other words, it's, 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 it's it, it, but, but, or that they are the law and the prophets. He said the whole history of redemption Everything my father's been up to from day one till now, everything he has put in motion hangs on these two. That he be loved by his people and that his people love each other. As I was listening this week, this passage of scripture popped in my mind. Matthew 6, 19 through 21, just says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store up your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Let me read that last 21 again. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. As Joseph Greeny did, just did a real short talk, and many of you who've been a part of Renovation know about Joseph Greeny, uh, who talked at, at, at the Crucial Conversations. We've done it in Uncommon Training, and we've talked about it in other settings. But one of the statements he made, and it seems almost like it was an afterthought to me at first, and then I wrote it down because it made me think of Matthew 6, 21. He says, if you care about it, you organize for it. If you care about it, you organize for it. But I said, if you care about it, you prioritize and you organize for it. You may not always live out what you profess, but you will always live out what you value, prioritize, and organize for this morning, again, when you say above all else, do you value, prioritize, and organize? One, do you prioritize and organize to guard your heart? Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. I mean, think about in so many ways in our culture, we make sure we protect our assets. I mean, we, we, we've used security systems on our car. We have now have ring on all our houses. We, we're always concerned about our security. We have it on our identity. We do all these things, but here scripture tells us the one thing will determine the course of your life. If you get your car stolen, it may not determine the course of your life. I know when Allie used to drive that little yellow cobalt that she had, she hoped somebody would steal it and hoped somebody that would change her life, yes. I'm just preaching. I know I'm preaching to some of you out there. He says, this one thing will determine the course of your life. Not even if you, 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 your identity could be stolen, but it's not stolen in Christ. 
Guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. But somehow we keep thinking we can outsmart this statement. Somehow or another we think this statement right here doesn't apply to me. It applies to you, but it doesn't apply to me. Now I'm gonna read, and we don't have them on the screen, so don't be looking for it, but I'm gonna read versions of Proverbs 4.23 in scripture from different translations. And the one we just read from uh, NIV, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. ESV, keep your heart with all vigilance. From it flows the springs of life. King James Version, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. NASB, watch your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. New Living Translation, translation guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Above all else. with all the things we try to protect. Here's the real fact. More lives are ruined by this one thing, failing to guard the heart. Way more than failing to guard material things. So many of us are willing to protect our families, our spouse, our kids with with weapons or, or security systems and all those kind of things. Uh, you know, and, and, and we, but we choose not to protect our soul and heart. And when we're not protecting our soul and heart, please hear me, friend, we're not protecting them. How you take care of your soul tells how much you love them. The Proverbs didn't say, if you get around to it. The Proverbs says, above all else. Can you say today, above all else, I want to guard my heart where it determines the course of my life. Second thing, let go of the rope. Proverbs 4, 8 says, above all else, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Above all, love each other deeply. It literally means there, with zeal, zealously, agape, the kind of divine love, that kind of love with deep conviction. We live in a world today, and maybe it's always been that way, but we live in a world today where it seems like people look for ways to be offended. They're just on that, they're hypersensitive of how you offend me. And if we lived our life that above all, we love each other deeply, And God's love, his grace, covers a multitude of sins. I might not get near as offended. But I love listening to Lisa Turkhurst, and I think I said her name right, talking about forgiveness as one of those places. 
She did a great job with it at GLS. And, and I love some of the thoughts. I'm just going to read them here real quick and, 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 and add a little bit of, of where I talk about letting go of the rope. One of the things she said is our default many times is, and, and, and I'm, again, some of you who were there may be able to correct me on the actual verbiage, but I think I'm close. And it was this. Your default is when you, someone has offended you or someone has harmed you, and literally there are times they really have hurt you bad. You are a victim. I'm not arguing with that at all, and I want to recognize that. So that's not what I'm saying. Sometimes you're not. Sometimes you're just offended because you're looking for ways to be offended. But I'm talking about here where something really has happened. One of the defaults is that you need evidence they have suffered as much as you have suffered. You need retribution. You want to know that they're paying a price like you're paying a price. In order for you to forgive, you want to know that that has happened or is happening. And there's some other things she said too, but that really sometimes is a, we're looking for retribution and it's not coming. And she said, the reality is forgiveness is, isn't giving someone else permission to continue to hurt you. That's sure not what it is. And I know I may not have written this down exactly, but I appreciate what she says. His forgiveness is for you initially, especially you. Because we talked about last week, if I'm going to love my neighbor as myself, I need to be healed and whole. And for me to get healed and whole, then I can really love my neighbors myself. But if I've still got real dysfunction in my life and real hurt and open wounds, then that's a whole different story. I really can't love my neighbor myself until I'm really healed the way I need to be and whole and him. So forgiveness is critical. And I love what she says. Don't tie your healing to someone else's decision. You've heard me say many times, unforgiveness is like setting yourself on fire and hoping the other person dies from smoke inhalation. It just doesn't really make sense when you really weigh it out. And it may be some massive hurt or something simple and truly meaningless, but you find yourself holding on to it. The thing that is really so deceiving about this is the cost of resentment, offense, unforgiveness, bitterness. And we don't realize the toll it takes not only on us, but those connected to us. I don't think we ever, I don't think we realize the cost. And like she says, forgiveness is a decision and it's a process. Now, the reason why I wanted to talk about the rope was Kelly Tinboom, you know, her father and sister died in the Nazis' concentration camp for hiding Jews. She said she had, <clears throat> she had forgiven but kept rehashing the incident. And she said, finally, this Lutheran pastor said to her, he said, come with me. I think that's how it worked. And ringing the bell in this church bell, of a, you know, the big tower and ringing the bell and, and pulled on the rope. He pulled on the rope. And he said this, said the force on which it is pulled is your willingness to hang on to it. But when you let go of the ropes, because of its momentum, it will ding dong, but the force is gone out of it. 
and it becomes less and less often and eventually stops altogether. He said, that's the way it is with unforgiveness because after all, it may have had years of momentum. But if you commit to forgive, that unforgiving spirit will begin to slow and eventually be still. Forgiveness is letting go of the rope of retribution. Let go of the rope. It's keeping you from being blessed. It's just time for some of you, Sarah said it earlier, some of you may be holding on to something. It's time to forgive. It's time to release. And you know it, and you know who you're releasing first? You. Some of you today, if you let go of the rope, you're about to find the most incredible moment of freedom in your life. It may take time to realize all of it, but it is time. And I love her statement. You you deserve to stop suffering of what people have done to you. And forgiveness is the pathway to severing the suffering. Forgiveness is your decision. I thought about this as I read Albert, listened to Albert Tate from GLS also. He had a statement, and I thought it was a great question when we think about people maybe we just disagree with, maybe on another, another political place or another lifestyle or another something, another whatever it may be, or just somebody you have a problem with at work or wherever that may be. And he said this, who would be surprised by your compassion if you poured it out on them? This week, above all else, I want to love others deeply. Can you say that? Above all else, I want to love others. When I love others well, when I love others deeply, I don't get near as offended. I give a lot of grace. I've said that a lot about recently about leaders in in any position, especially in church leaders. I give them a lot of grace, friends, because I know I'm in the middle of, I got empathy and compassion, if you will, because I'm trying to figure this out too as a leader of this church. How? I give a lot of grace. A lot of grace. And above all else, I would say the last one I'd say is be vulnerable in personal struggles and insecurities. As we heard over the last few days in GLS, that is such an endearing thing. But we also, you know, I've said over the last many weeks, Trust leads to respect. Respect leads to vulnerability. Vulnerability can lead to dialogue and conversation and, if needed, reconciliation. But when I come vulnerable in Christ, it becomes a strength. Now, I love what Matthew 6.33 says. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Nothing else comes first. And live righteously. And what it means there, righteous, just, seeking justice, live right with God. And he will give you everything you need. Seek first the kingdom of God above all else. I think the biggest barriers in, in my journey and my personal relationship through my lifetime to this very day 
35 years of marriage. Thank you, Jan. 28 years of ministry. You and I have to talk about that, God. But anyway, thank you. (laughs) Just kidding. Being a parent of four through close relationships, the biggest barrier to the abundant life I have found is me. It's not out there, but it's in here. One of the toughest positions we take many times when we don't want to grow and we have our own dysfunctions and we, what happens is we don't become vulnerable in them. We defend them if we're not careful. One of the hardest statements I deal with is that's just the way I am. Let me tell you what I believe that does. It offloads your potential sin or dysfunction onto others. I heard people say, I was this way when you married me. Yeah, but I was a fool. No, just kidding. And no doubt there are some things that you're never going to try to change, say, in your spouse or whatever. I mean, we're, we're introverts, leaning heavy introverts versus heavy extroverts maybe. And there's some things there, sacred pathways, even how God has wired us in so many different ways. Uh, so, so I realize hobbies, foods we like and don't like. We're not trying to force somebody. Just, well, I don't like it. You know? and, but Jan says to me sometimes, why, why do you keep eating that after you're full? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I genuinely don't know. Why do I have to eat four, six, eight pieces of something? I don't know. But I'm not going to say, well, it's just the way I am. Because that means I've stopped growing. That means I've stopped trying. This means I've stopped listening. This means I've stopped being vulnerable to my insecurities maybe and my struggles. I've stopped. I mean, one of our favorites is, Well, I'm just blunt. That's just the way I am. And you know how we talk about that here. Bluntness is not the same as boldness. It is not. Bluntness may be used as a form of intimidation, but often insecurity is what I find. Boldness comes from a secure place. Doesn't mean that you're not in fear. I don't mean it that way, but you're in a secure place in who you are and what you understand. Because boldness is spoken with grace, deeply love. Boldness is spoken with trying to know all the facts instead of just spewing. But boldness ultimately is for the good of others, even at personal risk to my reputation, even at personal risk to a lot of different things, maybe even physical sometimes. But Jesus is the prime example of that. But just saying that's just the way I am. Seek first the kingdom of God. Above all else, seek the kingdom of God. I love what Willard says. Dallas Willard says the kingdom of God is God reigning. In my insecurities, he's reigning. In my struggles, he's reigning. In my vulnerability, he's reigning. reigning. And I love what he goes on to say. It is present... Wherever what God wants done is done. It is the range of God's effective will. God's reign is all around you and is from everlasting to everlasting. It is the natural home of the soul. Guard your heart, friend. 
Your natural place is to be under God and his kingdom. But this lack of vulnerability, I love what Brene Brown defines vulnerability to be the emotion that we experience during times of uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. But let me tell you what it does for a leader. Vulnerability causes you to say it's unacceptable to stay where I am. As a Christian, it's unacceptable to stay here. I'm going to be vulnerable enough to just say it out loud. Whatever this specific thing is in my life, I'm going to say it out loud. I'm going to go public. I can't stay here. Simply recognizing the need for change isn't enough. The problem for most of us is, is that we see the truth truth issues in our life, but we'd rather excuse them than expose them. Or we'd rather gripe about it. Or we'd rather run from it. Or we'd rather get offended by it. We don't lack insight on what needs to happen. We simply lack the courage to do anything about it. Those who are vulnerable do not run from the truth. They run towards it. I believe the most persuasive person in a group who is the person who is open to their lives being changed. I want to know them. I want to hear from them. I'm not just saying to know it. I'm talking about to know it and to do something about it. And if you want to be a game changer, and we won't game changer, but you want to be uncommon, that's a better way to say it. Vulnerability allows the willingness change and the greater your ability to change the greater your ability to brain change persuasion see if i know you're willing to change and i know that you're open to change and you're going to organize and prioritize and value change and you're going to look for that in your life to be more than you used to be then yeah friend i want to be around you you'll have persuasion in my life you have influence The stronger, you are, the stronger you are in your faith, the more vulnerable you should become. The, more, the stronger I am in a marriage, the more stronger I am in a relationship, the more vulnerable I should come, right? Well, in my faith, I should become more vulnerable, willing to be different, willing to be changed. If you'd have known me when Jan married me, if she had just said to me, you don't need to change anything, you're perfect. Or I would have said, Six months, eight months, a year, year and a half into our marriage, what, you, that's the way I was when you married me. I was foul mouth when you married me. I was angry. You know I had a temper that I'd put my hand through a wall probably or throw something across the room. You know I was jealous. You know I had an alcohol problem. That's just the way I was and I am. Get over it. Well, a couple of things. One, we wouldn't be married anymore. <laughs> 
It's not funny, I'm just saying. But as I grew in my faith, I became more vulnerable to other changes. Those were just huge ones up front. But then they were more subtle as time went on. And I am so thankful I serve God who loves me the way I am right now, but he loves me too much to leave me that way. What's awesome about being vulnerable, you're willing to risk it for the good of your neighbor. Last few weeks, one of our young ladies has become quite popular across the world. And I hope before long, and I'm not going to say who it is, and many of you already know, but hopefully you get a chance to tell her story a little bit up front here. But she sent me an email this week when she found out that something she had posted, unbelievably positive, unbelievably, and then again, I'll let her tell the story, but just so proud of her, of taking a challenge and a struggle and an insecurity and flipping it. And you know what we've said around here, and we said, I stole it from Dr. Samuel, Dr. Toy, many years ago. We'll take something from the devil and slap him with it. Okay? And I believe this young lady's doing that. But when she found out this thing was taken off on TikTok faster than she thought it would, she wrote this in her prayer journal and she sent it to me. She said, Dear God, I pray that you, you use my videos for your glory. I pray that young girls who feel the same way I have or, 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 or am currently feeling would hang on to the huge hope that is only found in you. Lord, use my life and this platform of you, you have given me to further your kingdom. Use me as a vessel to shine for you and you alone. Whether I have 12 followers or 1 million, I will serve you first, always. As of today, and a young lady from out here in our church, that video has been seen over two and a half million times in the last few weeks. Above all else, I want to seek the kingdom of God and all it includes. Let me ask you, friends, as we close today, above all else, can you say, above all else, I want to guard my heart, for it determines the course of my life. Above all else, I want to, other, I want to love others deeply, zealously. <laughs> above all else, I want to seek the kingdom of God in all it includes above all else. Let me pray for us. And Josiah and him come down as we close. Well, we come to you today thankful that this book that you've given us not only tells us about you it tells us about your love for us and what you want for us. And yes, sometimes, Lord, we read these scriptures and they feel like they're like, oh, I don't need another thing to do. I don't need another. But Lord, you love us so much. You see the potential in us way before we ever did. Lord, I, as, as I think has been said about Jesus and the disciples, he didn't just see them the way they were. He saw them the way they could be. Lord, you see it in us. You know how you've made us. 
You know what we have drug onto our lives that we shouldn't have that need to be dealt with. And Lord, we just come today asking you to help us guard our heart. Because Lord, we do believe it not only tells us how much we love you, it tells us how much we love everybody else. And we want to be a channel for that. Lord, we come today just asking you for us to be people who love deeply. Deeply. Or there in Peter, it describes a lot of different things that we should, but one is love deeply. In order to last, but not least, above all else, every day, if we got up just this week and we ask ourselves this question over and over when it comes to our time, our talent, and yes, our treasure, our giving, can we truly say that we look at each one of those and we say, above all else, your kingdom come, your will be done. Above all else, that the kingdom of God would be in our heart and that we would seek the righteousness in all it includes. Above all else. Rolling out of bed this week, Lord, I pray that some folks, and I know others won't remember it, but some folks, it as soon as they wake up in the morning like you did to me this morning, the first three words is above all else. How will I live this day? Lord, we love you. We thank you for the chance. And Lord, help us again with wisdom, with compassion, to love you with all of our heart and love our neighbors as ourselves. that this week and as we gather next week, Lord, we would do this with a desire for your kingdom to come and your will be done. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this chance today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'll come back and close this in just a moment.